da.gov slash drug disposal. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelch Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. Well, good morning and welcome to Saturday in the Studio. I'm Tom King, and believe it or not, Merle Kelch is here this morning, and he was here early, even before the news started. Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, baby. Bright-eyed What's bushy-tailed. wrong with this picture is the first thing I said. This is what happens when I get caffeine in the morning. I'm getting sleep at night. There's something just going weird with my body. Folks, you know, for folks the, for, I, was, I was telling Tom this earlier, folks, that uh, Wednesday I was in the office really early, like 7.30. And I thought, well, what do people do all day in the morning? Being in that that early, that's early for you? I don't. Well, I, I, I get up early, but you know, I usually get in the office at the go to crack at 10-ish. I don't want to hear it. Um, It's interesting because for those of you who have been regular listeners to the show over the years, you know that Merle is, uh, you know, one of these guys that uh, lives on the edge and is always here. Like, uh, if you hear a lot of public service announcements played at the beginning of the show, you realize that it's Merle's driving into the parking lot or coming up the stairs. I am the epitome of just in time. Just just in time. Yeah, okay. We'll we'll leave it right there. All right. 715-845-2155 is the number to call here. If you have a question about your portfolio, give us a call here this morning. Merle is here to take your questions. Yeah, you've got something you wanted to dive into right away. Something I want to stop and jump into right away here. So let's start it out. So, by the way, folks, our banter back and forth is just here waiting for you to, uh, uh, for your questions. So that's the intent here is for you guys to call live. We know it's foggy and you're not raking leaves. So go ahead. Give us a call. 715-845-2155. 715-845-2155. But let's start out with this. Um, an article by William Watts, which I think is a pretty good one. The article actually came out a few days ago, but it says how the stock market investors can make sense of supply side chain chaos. You know, we're talking about all the, you know, the ships full of containers and containers sitting on loading docks in, in both New York and California and all over. And we look at this stuff. And so, you know, is the supply chain? Yeah, the supply chain's having an issue. But one of the biggest things they talk about inside of this article, which I thought was enormously interesting is, um, you know, one of the reasons a lot of the stimulus isn't really working to get the supply chain stuff done is it's just simply because it's over demand. So there's so much cash out there chasing something to buy. So we're all looking for, you know, refrigerators, shoes, washers, dryers, whatever the case may be. And so the demand is so heavy to get those stuff that it's clogging up the supply chain in many places. And so it's an interesting thing, folks, that this becomes the case because it's driving up the prices because of demand. But if we can't deliver all the demand that's out there because it's the supply side issues, what tends to happen if we end up having too much of something? It goes on, of course, on sale and could possibly drive down the prices. So kind of an interesting article. Article. So one of the reasons we're having a hard time getting so much stuff is there's just so much demand for the stuff that we really want to have. So it's kind of interesting to me. How this so what is the average investor? How does the average investor, I don't know, take advantage of the right words, but how do you use that to your benefit uh, as far as putting together your portfolio? Well, you know, the reason corporate America is having, you know, record profits and money coming in is because we're building stuff still. Um, it's just that we're requesting it so far as this article is saying, we're requesting it uh, so much demand and we're not able to build it out far enough um, and not enough workers to do a lot of the stuff. And so, again, it's all part of the pandemic shutting off the economy and turning it back on sort of thing. But um, but it makes it it's probably one of the best explanations I've found that of what's happening um, out there. So uh, uh, kind of interesting. So oversupply. We're, we're buying 
too much stuff, we can't deliver it fast enough within our supply chains. All right, the uh, unemployment rate down under 5% now, and um, we've talked before that the quote-unquote full employment number is right around, what, three, something like yeah, that? Yeah, three-ish. Huh? All right, so we're at 5% unemployment, moving down toward three where we have been before, but we still do not have enough workers to fill the jobs that are available. A labor shortage, and it's not just folks sitting at home getting free money. It's just that there are just not enough people to fill the jobs mm-hmm. uh, for, for whatever reason. But what do, you, what do we do in a situation like this if— uh, for, as an economy, if we have all of these jobs that are sitting there and not enough people to fill them. Um, what's interesting about this is that prior to this article, I would have thought about some things just differently. And again, you know, we look at corporations having record profits and putting out record numbers of products, but they don't have enough employees. And I think it's because of all this demand that we have. So, I mean, you could, again, you could, this article is new to me this morning. These so companies, my head around it. These companies could raise wages and many have uh, to keep workers or to get workers and yet there are still jobs that can't be full because there's just not enough people yes so i you know i I think someplace in here is where our government has to get in and do something that makes sense um uh and, and one of them might be is we have all these illegal immigrants that are already here they're already here and if they want to pass they have citizenship they have to have xyz work permit card and you have to come in and say okay where do you live you're going to start paying taxes but you're going to get this card and you have to do a b and c to become a citizenship but this card starts first and you're getting a job i think that has to be one of the first places and that we seem to make a lot of sense you know we have all these immigrants that are coming in uh, some illegally some legally they're all looking for jobs Um, and so i think that becomes their starting point to becoming america and maybe becomes their starting point to citizenship Um, but trying to get government to agree upon doing something like this is just absolutely insane um, but i think that's where we got to start i mean we um at least almost all of us here started uh, as immigrants here in the u.s and we got here we made it we started working we just need to rush the process because we need people to fill those positions well we we certainly can't use the old line that uh, immigrants are coming in illegally to take our jobs away because that's certainly not the case anymore <laughs> well no they're coming in here illegally to fill the jobs we don't have got that we just need to know who they are um and, and so we have to look at that part of it, and so I think that's something that's going to come. 715-845-2155 is the number to call here. I was reading Jim Cramer's column on CNBC. Uh, earnings season kicks off with the major banks next week. Um, do you look at the banking, the banking sector on a regular basis? Is that sort of one of the bellwethers uh, of, of people's portfolios or, or mutual funds that you deal with? where banks are a major part of that, and what's that looking like these days? Well, banks, like anything else, are another indicator of what's going on inside the economy. Um, and, and the thing you'd like to learn, learn about banking, essentially, is are they making money from the profits, I'm sorry, from the, the deposits that they have, um, and what's happening with deposits. So my guesstimation is going to be that when we see the profits coming out from the banking sector, they're going to be fantastic. One, the spreads. And the spread, folk is the folks, is the interest rate that they um, pay you on your savings account, which, Tom, is about how much? Well, I don't know. Well, One, nothing. And it's funny because I, I, I was I found some old newspapapers from the late 70s the other day, and the, one of the banks was advertising a CD that was paying 13%. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> I, I, but then I, you have to remember what, what the interest rates were on loans back then as oh, well. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I have an interesting story about that we can share afterwards. But So then if you take a loan off of the bank, they want to charge you 4 or 6%. So those spreads are still records for banks. So, so the banks right now, their reports are probably going to be fantastic. The M2 money supply, which is our 
you know, savings accounts and checking accounts, that kind of stuff and CDs. And, and that there's record amounts of that. So the banks are doing really, really well with the amount of stuff that they have and the spreads they have on the inside. Now, you're talking about the CD rates. When I first got into this business, of course, you know, being trained from uh, Whitewater, the you know, great institution, I mean that seriously. Um, in the middle of it, they talk about interest rates. You know, historically, up to that particular point in time, have been about 4%. That includes going through most of the 80s and the 70s. And so as I'm getting into business, I you know, run into a, a brand-new client of mine, and is an older gentleman. I can't think of his name at the moment, but one of my first clients when I first got in this industry in 1989, he had a CD that was a 10-year, 10% guarantee. He goes, what should I do with it? I said, keep it. <laughs> uh, and uh, he said, well, why do you say that? He said, you know, I can get more inside the market. I said, no. I said, you know, historically, here's what interest rates are. Keep that CD. Don't do anything. Put some more money in it. I said, because historically, you're going to get a risk-adjusted rate of return, or a riskless rate of return that's higher than the stock market. Just leave it. And so he became a client of mine for a long time. He said, that was one of the best things you ever gave me for an investment tip. I said, well, thanks. I appreciate that, you know. Uh, but 10-year, 10% CD. Who, who would have thunk that at, so, at one point CDs would have been a good investment? Well, they still weren't beating inflation and taxes, but those were going down at the time. So it was still going to uh, come out to be the best. You know, CDs right now, we have uh, some clients that have a whole bunch of CDs, a new client to us. And uh, with the amount of CDs in which they have, a lot of them are, you know, one between, you know, 196 to 245 for uh, CD rates or interest rates. The problem is, is inflation right now is higher than that. So if we factor in taxes, uh, just not going anyplace with CDs. You're actually going backwards by investing in CDs if you look at it that way. Um, so CDs, of course, still work out, work well for money you intend on spending in a year, maybe two years down the road for something because you don't want to have market volatility with that. Um, but largely, they just don't beat inflation tax over time, and therein is where the problem comes in. So because the banks are paying such a low interest rate and uh, lending it out at such a higher rate, uh, we should see the profits on banks uh, be nice and healthy and uh, the spread's doing real well in the banking sector. So where would you take money that was in a CD and put it somewhere that gives you at least a relative amount of safety that you don't, as you said, you you want to be able to sleep at night? Um, where does that money go at this point then? You know, that's that's always a difficult part. And we get this question every single week we have this question. If I have money in CDs, I'm not making anything. Can you put it someplace? Uh, my first question is, do you want it in the stock market? Oh, no, we don't want that. <laughs> oh, okay, all right, we know. We know why now you have CDs. Um, but, you know, the only thing that's guaranteed out there, folks, are CDs. Okay? So if you do anything different, you're increasing the risk to some to some degree. And people have to understand that. So if you're listening here and saying, well, geez, Merle said, uh, you know, we can blah, blah. Well, it's going to add risk to it. You know, have to know that it's going to add risk. But there are some places that um, we can have um, rates of returns that are better than what you have inside of the CDs, not inside of the stock market, um, but still have risk to them. So there are some funds that are out there, and they call them bank share or floating rate funds, and I'm not going to tell you to go run out and buy them if they're the best for you, um, but you can investigate them, look at them. So insurance companies and mutual fund companies, again, regularly borrow money to businesses. They secure the notes, and uh, the interest rates right now we're finding are anywhere uh, for this amount of time this year, so not for the year, but for this amount of time, Anywhere between three, there's one that's out there that's seven percent, but they're doing some other stuff. But you know, three, three point seven percent for the year so far, which is much better than two, two and a half percent. You're going to get in a CD. Um, so we will use them in our office as a bond alternative until bond prices start settling themselves out, and so we'll use them quite a bit for that. 
Um, another place that just as a comparison, can, what's the return uh, year so far on the the S and P in in regular stock market? Oh, geez, seventeen percent. Seventeen percent. Yeah, the S and P I think is either seventeen or nineteen, depending upon which day last week you looked at it. Hmm. <laughs> you know, but but the thing is, the difference is you look at a CD, the, the S and P five hundred, of course. It's bouncing up and down two or three percent every three or four days. And by the way, folks, that's kind of the norm. It's about two percent every three days for uh, the markets. Um, but you have all the risk in that. So in these these funds, they're they're boring, uh, they're, and they're designed to be boring. Um, and so we'll we'll use those. Um, and, and then we've been uh, doing some work looking at uh, convertible bonds too, because they've been uh, um, uh, doing pretty good. So a convertible bond is a bond that can convert into a stock at some particular point. So. If you're buying a bond of, let's say, I'm, I'm going to pick on a name because we know that they run, have run up fast. If you buy a convertible bond of, let's say, Tesla, and uh, you buy it, and, and this thing says it can convert at a price of bonds, you know, let's say you buy, and this is a, oh, let's use XYZ company, not Tesla. Um, uh, XYZ fake technology company that uh, we have. Um, again, I still hope there's no company called XYZ. Um, but we buy XYZ Technology Company, and its stock is at $100 per share. Um, but we buy the a convertible bond that says inside of it, you can convert this bond for five shares if it hits 150 Well, you receive the interest from the bond along the way. Then if the stock price goes up, you convert it to the stock. As it goes up, you end up making it a little bit better. So convertible bonds in a time like now tend to do real well at a lower interest rate in a rising stock market for your particular side. So. And there's, by the way, mutual funds that do this stuff for you, so you don't have to think about which convertible bond to buy and how the function works in that whole bit. So those are some things to look at. They're not participating in the stock market, but at the same time, you at least get some interest rates somewhere along the way. I think we looked at one point, and there actually is an XYZ company. Is uh, there? Oh, I'll no. look for that during the break. We're going to we... have to think of another <laughs> acronym. Maybe just pick randomly three letters. Yeah. And and probably like, still like coming up with your password for your uh, for your computer or your your accounts, you're yeah. supposed to have one capital letter and a number and then a symbol along with yeah. all the other things. So, yeah. Well, now right. I have to have a file on my phone that has all of my passwords and uh -huh. I have to password protect that. Yeah. Oh, now what do I do? You know? All right. We're going to take a break. We'll come back with more. If you have a question for Earl, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. We are lions. We bring hope where it's needed. We are a global force for good. Support causes that matter change lives, change communities, change the world. We can do more together than we can alone. Join in. Experience the joy of serving. Be part of the movement. Give back. Let's unite the world for good. We are Lions. You can be too. Visit WeServe.org. You took the first step and quit smoking, but even former smokers may still be at risk for lung cancer. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know about a new low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early. It takes only 60 seconds and could save your life. You took the first step, now take the next. Visit SaveByTheScan.org for a simple quiz to see if you're eligible and talk to your doctor about screening. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Albert Pujols. And I'm Deidre Pujols. And we made it our mission to strike out slavery. Did you know that millions of people, many who are in vulnerable populations, are caught in this nightmare of violence, 
fraud, and coercion. And during a crisis like the pandemic, even more innocent people are at risk of falling victim to human trafficking. Sometimes we all take true freedom for granted. Freedom to live our life. The freedom to pursue our dreams. The freedom to watch and play baseball. But for far too many, basic freedom has been torn away, often violently and often targeting those most vulnerable among us. That's why we made it our mission to strike out slavery. And we're sending out an SOS because freedom is worth fighting for. Join us, join baseball fans, join the fight against human trafficking. Go to strikeoutslavery.com. Picking up the pieces of yesterday. No one is left behind. And building a new day. Build back better. Meg and Chris. News alert. This is this is the Babylon Bee. So Liberal so friends, this is satire. Look it up. It's just it's a short six-letter word. You can you can find some humor in this as well. Biden said, Your body, my choice. The list goes on. That's all you need to know. To start the day. The WSAU Wisconsin Morning News. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelch Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. And we're back here in the studio. I'm Tom King, along with Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates in Wausau. I just saw a headline on MarketWatch. It says, J.P. Morgan downgrades ConAgra and upgrades Hormel as inflation fears should keep investors in many large food companies on the sidelines. Now, I think we've always talked about how food is one of those safe havens that people go to when there's inflation or when there are problems with the uh, with the economy. Why would these big investors be staying away from the big food companies um i don't have a real interest for that at the moment usually they start picking the best food interest co- or food companies so if you have two which one is going to be the better so i'm, I'm going to guess it has more to do with that um as we've been doing some work we've had some clients saying you know we're looking for this type of a stock and uh in fact conagra popped up on all of our radars to to, to buy so um, I'm sure J.P. Morgan is wrong. They should call Kelton Associates. <laughs> Maybe uh, J.P. Morgan just likes <laughs> like spam better than whatever ConAgra makes, and that's I, why they're going after Hormel. I'm not really sure, but uh, uh, ConAgra actually just kind of popped up on our radars. And again, so folks, don't go run out and buy a base what you're hearing from the show, but it uh, just popped up on our radar. But a lot of times you'll p- see people in companies um, start looking for companies that um, are the better of them. And so if they're choosing between two, they're going to choose whichever they one they feel is uh, financially uh, uh, more sustainable. Um, and there's a lot of the stuff that's going on, a lot of articles popping up, and, and I can't even point to one because there's just been so much, so many here and on TV throughout the course of the day at CNBC, uh, which, folks, if, if you've uh, ever listened to this program, uh, CNBC is out of my office from the moment I get in there until the moment I get done. So everything that's going on, we're hearing it. So, so part of that is there's a, there's a migration starting to happen to uh, large defensive stocks. And that doesn't mean it's defense sector like they're uh, buying arms. It's defense sectors of products and services that we know use um, on a daily basis in case the economy starts having a slowdown period. And so we're starting to see some money starting to float into that pretty good. And so, you know, the, the names that you might think, if you go into your refrigerator, you go into your kitchen under your sink and you look at your cleaning products, those tend to be the names that pop up as far as what's called defensive stocks. And there's been a drift of those types of stocks and what's called dividend-paying stocks. 
So we're starting to see that sort of stuff happen in the economy right now. Um, so that's quite a bit uh, different than what we've seen over the course of the last year, year and a half, where everything's been tech-related. And so now it's actually turning more into the defensive products that we know, use, uh, love-related. Um, and that tends to be that kind of switch to a defensive type of posture. Well, is that a warning sign then that there are big changes coming? Not necessarily a warning sign, but somebody somebody somewhere, somehow, uh, pension funds or something, uh, feels though that something could be changing at some point in time. And I think there's some fears that are coming into the marketplace. One, because the technology has been going down, and as a result, they're taking some profit and finding some place to put it. Um, and, uh, you know, traditional types of things like putting it inside of oil or gold um, are not working out quite as they thought, even though oil prices are shooting up. But um, uh, so, so I believe that's the reason that that trend seems to be going in that direction, more because profit taking is happening from the tech sector. Not because they see another uh, hoarding of toilet paper beginning again at some point in time. Maybe. Who knows? Um, it's kind of funny as, uh, um, you know, I do like you know, home delivery service for groceries a lot. It saves me a ton of time. So we get through, and I, I bought two packages, you know, one for uh, home and, and one for uh, up north, at, as you call, call my friend the palatial estate, which, yeah. by the way, i got to thank you for that because a lot of people call the palatial estate <laughs> now. And so uh, we're getting and said, oh, so you're hoarding? No, no, I just needed two packages, you know, so it's, it's – uh, it's, I don't think two two packages is hoarding. Twenty packages would be well, hoarding. Yeah, and, and why? You know, I just look at that. Yeah, things that get things get really rough. There's always leaves, like the old days when we were kids. Sears robot catalogs aren't around anymore. You I know, know. I, I get a phone book. My wife says we got a phone book. What do you want to do this? I said save it. We'll take it up north. You know, well, folks, we we <laughs> definitely need you to call today to save us from this. Seven one five eight four five twenty one fifty five. We're gonna take a break for some news. We'll come back with more. Please call us here we'll on WSAU. Actually, better. My daughter Brinley is here at St. Jude. Coming here was literally life or death, and it was so scary. But St. Jude is fighting off social media and keep his supporters off there. Central Wisconsin's home for Dan Bongino. AM five fifty, FM ninety nine nine, and in Wausau ninety five one, WSAU. And we're back in the studio. I'm Tom King along with Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates in Wausau. Phone lines are open, 715-845-2155. All right, folks, we have an article here by uh, Joe Weatherbooth. Boy, if these people actually heard me butcher their names, Tom, or something. So there's an article out here that says the Wall Street gets ready for the Federal Reserve to pull a trigger on tapering despite unusable situation inside of the United States. So what tapering is, folks, is the Federal Reserve throughout the course of the last well, probably about the last 20 years, starting in, uh, you know, uh, going back into the, the late 2000s, um, has been buying money and uh, buying bonds from the open marketplace and putting it inside of the Federal Reserve. Um, you know, so at this particular point in time, we're doing some $120 billion a month on a monthly pace of treasuries and mortgage-backed securities. So what that does is it has the same effect as lowering interest rates or putting more cash in the marketplace. And so all part of the triggering and, and keeping things very stimulative um, as a result of the um, uh, pandemic. So the amount of money that we now have inside of the Treasury um, uh, is now about four point, I'm sorry, $5.4 trillion um, of Treasury debt and about $2. trillion of mortgage-backed securities going back in. And so this goes back to some $800 billion that we used to have years ago. Um, and so it's been a dollar month that's been quite large going into it. So this kind of goes back to, again, the article we talked about earlier where 
um, we have an over-demand issue. And so this is putting more cash in the marketplace. Um, is this one of the reasons we're having issues? Who knows? But we'll wrap our head around a little bit more as we come out through the course of the next week or so. Um, but the Federal Reserve has said that they're going to stop um, or taper down the $120 billion at a monthly pace now and start reducing that. Ben Bernanke did this back in his day, and approximately, I think it was about 2010 when he tried to do start tapering, but uh, did it much quickly or quicker at that point in time or too fast and sent the economy into a shockwave. So with that the case, we don't think that's the case. Uh, we have learned as a government and as a Fed Reserve, but they want to start tapering us. So we might see over the course of the next several months that the $120 billion per month goes down to maybe we see a, um, 115 or 110 uh, and we start seeing the tapering of that. Uh, what it's going to do is it's going to probably start forcing up interest rates from a Fed standpoint. And so then we'll start seeing bond prices come back down and maybe we'll have some normalization. But there's going to be some ripples as a result of that occurring, depending upon how fast the Federal Reserve and Chairman Powell uh, starts dropping the, uh, I'm sorry, not dropping, but tapering the amount that they're purchasing to start increasing interest rates. All right, let's go to the phone this morning. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Hey, this is Dale. Hey, Dale, you're on with Merle. Go ahead. Morning, Dale. Yeah, so I got a question. Yeah. So I had bought some stocks when everything hit, like rocked. Yeah. And so now I'm like 800, 900% up on them. When do I sell them and buy back in to avoid taxes as much? Well, is 800 or 900%? Is that enough or? <laughs> All right. Oh, that's good. Yeah. good chunk of change. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, a couple of different things. Are they good quality stocks becomes a question. So there's a big thing that Jim Cramer always talks about, and I think it's a pretty good idea. You know, if you've got a great gain, um, and we've done this with our clients over the past too. Um, in fact, we actually did it with Tesla stock. We made it just a bunch of money. We took their original money out, and I said, how much percent of profit do you want? I said, 20% enough for a year. So heck yes, we took their money out plus 10, 20%. We let the house run with the rest of it. And so this year with capital gains are probably going to remain pet as they are right now. So make sure you're getting over your 12-month mark uh, so you can get the, the better tax rates and um, your capital gains. But, you know, maybe the time comes for you to say, well, let's take my money out plus some profit, let the rest of it continue to run. Maybe that's the direction you want to go. So just check on the quality of the stock that you have on the inside, um, but your capital gain uh, should be pretty good. Now, if you're talking about saying I'm going to sell it and buy it back later, um, you got to wait 31 days. It's actually 30, but they give one for your extra, so you're bypassing what's called wash rules. That makes sense. Yeah. So otherwise, they hit you harder. Well, otherwise, you, one you other question. Otherwise, you you lose your capital gain. That's what the issue comes in. Yeah. So, yep. And then uh, I know overseas bank accounts are for rich guys, but how do you get one of them? <laughs> well, you know what? It doesn't exist anymore anyway, so doesn't they don't have to worry about it. Oh darn. Yeah, the okay. overseas bank accounts now have to be uh, declared. So. Uh, you're you're about a generation, oh, maybe a generation too late, or about ten years too late. All right, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Yes, yeah, so those the, un, the unnumbered Swiss bank accounts no longer. Yeah, no long. No. Oh come on, there's got to be places like the Cayman Islands and all these places that we read about in the novels where well, people hide money. The, the beautiful Pandora, place you can go there and visit. But the Pandora Papers that just came out this past week that listed all of how all of the uh, world leaders and rich people hide all their money from Well, maybe it works people. in other countries, but the U.S. now said, no, okay. you're not doing that anymore. So um, uh, it happened right at the beginning of the Trump administration, right at the end of the Obama administration, and said, okay, you have this many days to disclose all your uh, secret accounts that we already know of anyway <laughs> and pay the tax, and if you don't, we're going after you. And so 
so many people who had those accounts that, uh, well, okay, we'll, we'll pay the tax and uh, make them disclose. As long as we're on that track here, we might as well touch on this a little bit because it's getting a lot of, a lot of coverage. Uh, the fact that the administration would like to hire more agents for the IRS to find all of the money that's not being paid into the uh, coffers uh, of the Treasury Department, that there's, there are so many people avoiding paying their taxes or evading paying their taxes, and the IRS doesn't have enough people to go out and find that money. The problem being they're suggesting going after people with as little as much as $600 in their bank account. And well, what's even worse, you know, the IRS having more employees, I mean, that, that's, that's been around for a long time. Uh, but the difficulty in here, if you don't know this, folks, is that the, the current administration is actually wants to see all transactions going in out of your account of $600 right. or more. Right, that's what I just which said. Which is I, just I, insane. I, well, I'm, I'm just saying the idea of going after tax cheats is a good one, but going after to that extent where most people who have $600 in their account – are not evading their taxes. I it, think it's just a but it's it's easy. It's, it's it's always been said over the years. It's easier to go after the people who have no money than it is to go after the people that have a lot of money because they have money to hire attorneys. They have money to you know hide the things they're doing. Whereas the, us normal folks don't have those capabilities. So is the idea a good one? And it's just being put put in place the wrong way. I mean, do you think that we should go after people that are that are not paying their fair share of taxes at this point? Well, there's, there's no such thing as fair share. If you owe taxes, you have to pay it. Um, my difficulty comes in is when you have the IRS that's now going in and snooping on people under $600 and, and with the accounts that they have in and out, $600 going in and out of their account. So, Tom, if we look at every single checking account that's out of America, what's the probability there's more than $600 going in and out of them on a monthly basis? My guesstimation should be a vast majority. Sure. Of well, so absolutely. now essentially the IRS has the ability to spy on all of us. Is that what we really want to have happen? So the trade-off to actually find the people who are breaking the law um, is not worth the well, invasion the, of privacy well, this to, is in, to the rest of This is the worst invasion of privacy I've ever seen in my lifetime. The other part of this is that if you're you know, not paying your taxes, there's other ways in which they can do that. They How? How? What taxes. other ways are there? Do you own property? Do you own stuff? Do you have things? I mean, they, they secure that stuff and take it all the time if you don't pay your taxes. You know, the checking account. Seeing what you're buying is just absolutely insane to me. All right, seven one five eight four. I would imagine it is to most people that it's probably not going to uh, pass muster uh, at this point in time. It's probably not going to go forward. We'll find out. Seven one five eight four five twenty one fifty five is the number to call here if you have a question for Merle. Give us a call. Um, we couldn't we couldn't do a show without talking at least for a couple of moments about cryptocurrency. And there's a uh, interesting article on Market Watch this morning about. Uh, leaps of faith. It's uh, talking about how investors in cryptocurrencies exhibit breathtaking leaps of faith that make stock buyers look like they never take any risks. And it's they're, they're basically saying it's ironic because cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin were supposed to be invented to sort of resist from those leaps of blind faith that we have to have in corporate corporations and stocks and bonds and yeah. things like that. And even within the article that you're talking, by the way, folks, there's an article called uh, let me get the thing. Is uh, buying Bitcoin and other crypto is a huge leap of faith that you don't want to be the greater fool by Mark Hulbert. Uh, you know, in here, so so many people bought the cryptocurrency, particularly inside of Bitcoin, in belief that the you know U.S. dollar was going to be so screwed up that it wasn't going to be worth anything and people were going to lose their money. So Bitcoin started. 
Now, so now as it comes out that Bitcoin is just nothing more than a computer program, which is what it is for most of the cryptocurrencies that are out there, some 6,000 plus cryptocurrencies that are growing. It's a leap of faith. You're buying in and out of a computer program based upon somebody else's belief that this is, they believe in it, in it as much as you do. Um, and uh, it again, it's a bigger risk or leap of faith than using the U.S. dollar, at least in my opinion, the opinion of many. Is it close to the point where it will become inevitable, or are we past the point where it will become inevitable? It has become you mean inevitable. It's become where it's never going to go away. Work. I mean, it's not. It's not going to go away. It's not going to crash and burn. And I, and, I don't. And, I don't think cryptocurrency is going away. But I think it's going to change considerably because right now there's there's nothing to it. China's already said we're not doing cryptocurrency anymore. Most other countries are coming around saying, okay, we're now start putting regulations to it. Um, so essentially, all the things that cryptocurrency was not supposed to be is not going to is now going to be. Um, it's going to have regulation in America. We have to pay taxes on Bitcoin now, where we never had to do that sort of stuff before. All that stuff is going to make cryptocurrency um, as though it has to be a bona fide investment. Um, and I think that in itself, people will look at it and say, "Well, what do you actually get for it?" And the answer is, "Well, nothing, because it isn't anything. It's a computer program." So I don't remember the hedge fund manager, but about two weeks ago, he said he thinks that all hedge or all cryptocurrencies are going to go to zero because that's what they're actually intrinsically worth. We'll see. All right, let's go to the phone here this morning. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Uh, this is Patty. Hey, Patty, on, you're Patty. on with Merle. Go ahead. Okay, thank you. Um, we have about a hundred thousand dollars sitting in our savings account from some property that we sold recently, mm -hmm. and we're debating what to do with it. What would be a good investment without? Um, entering the stock market? Well, I'm not going to say lottery tickets, Patty, so that might not be good. Oh, okay. darn. So, yeah, so stay at the lottery tickets. You don't buy $100,000 of lottery tickets. Just, okay, gotcha. so we got that one out of the way. Gotcha. So, so we talked about it before. I mean, there's some places to go through, but you got to talk with your financial advisor about it because um, it's not riskless. It's not without risk. And there's some places that are out there that you can get better rates of returns that are not inside of the stock market and more particularly not inside of the bond marketplace. Um, and so you can do those uh, through what's called floating rate funds, and they're a class of type of a fund also called bank share funds. So it's a class that are out there. You can get a little bit better interest rate than CDs, uh, but you also have some risk in there, so I have to make sure they say that. So the values do go up and down, though minimally. Um, the values of the shares do go up and down, but you can and have the ability to get a little bit better rate of return. But again, banks, guaranteed. This stuff, no, there's still a little bit of risk. And so I'd start there. That might be a good place to take a peek. Called floating rate funds. Yep, float like as in the water. Okay, gotcha. All right, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. What about uh, we've talked in the past about guaranteed annuities or annuities that pay a guaranteed Different rate of return? Animal. Okay, uh, you know, so if you use guaranteed annuities, so many people think, well, if it's guaranteed, it's all guaranteed. No, no, no. Um, annuities in general are just a it's a it's a um, it's a piece of clay. You can mold it to be whatever you want to. Inside of the annuity world, you can buy different things a la carte on what you want it to be guaranteed for. So uh, let's say you want the principal guarantee. Can you buy an annuity to do that? Yep, you can buy a principal guarantee, um, but the principal guarantee uh, means it's not going to really make a lot of money. Say, well, I, I don't care about the principal guarantee. I want it to be inside of the stock market and grow. Can I do that? Yes, you can. Um, uh, well, I want my income guarantee. Can I do it? Yep, you check the box. You buy the income guarantee, so you buy the insurance for that. But then it makes your portfolio more conservative. So an annuity has the ability to put guarantees, but you're buying it, and of course, as in anything in this marketplace, if you're buying one thing, you're doing it at the expense of the others. And let me let me share with that, Tom. Um, yeah, it popped up. I, I don't remember where I saw this, and I don't know if I refined it in my head or not, but I've been sharing it with clients for years. 
we either have income, stability, um, or growth in a portfolio. Okay, so it's always the, the three-legged stool. And if we want growth in a portfolio, we do it at the expense of stability and guarantees. I'm sorry, income. Um, if we want stability, we do it at the expense of income and growth. Um, and we just need to find out what part or which direction within those three uh, principles, for lack of a better term, do we want to go to in a portfolio. Does one always Should one always be bigger than the others, or why wouldn't they be 33.333 each? Uh, they can be. It depends upon where you want to sleep. You know, so... Um, if you want to sleep comfortably at night because you don't want to worry about market volatility, you're probably going to be more towards the stability range. Um, if you said, well, geez, I'm 40 years old, I don't care, let it have maximum growth, um, well, then you're going to be the growth and you don't care about the income stability. So so there's uh, differences. And, and there's different investments that do different things. You might say, well, uh, like Patty was just saying, well, we had this money from property, we don't want to be in a stock market. Well, she's probably looking more towards the stability range with that dollar amount, but maybe she has another account that says, well, let that one have growth. Um, but uh, we just have to look at the attributes of what one wants to do with the money to help us determine where the investment may be. Going back to Patty's example, should she be looking at something for that hundred grand as far as t- the tax ramifications of selling a piece of property, a hundred grand, and now you've got to do something? There are things you can do with it to avoid paying your maximum income tax on it, right? Not anymore. No? Um, if you're going to sell a piece of property, you still have the ability to, and I think they still call them Starker exchanges, but largely now called a 1031 exchange. Um, but you have to identify where the money's going to go ahead of time. So let's say you have the uh, Tom investment property and you're going to sell that because you want to do something different with it. So if you're going to sell the Tom investment property, but you're going to buy the Tom 2 investment property, um, you could do that ahead of time and identify where it's supposed to go and you do a 1031 exchange. The money can't come into hand. your account or into your yeah, hand. Come, yeah, once yeah. it comes into your hand yeah, you um, and you haven't that. identified, it's already too late. You're going to end up having All to right. pay taxes on it now. Um, hopefully for Patty's case, that she had the property for a you know, longer period of time where she can pay the lower capital gains rate on it, which is proposed and expected to go away um, uh, next year. All right, 715-845-2155. We need to take one more break. We'll come back with more. If you have a question for Merle, give us a call. We'll be right back on WSAU. Now, this day. Here's Chris Conley. The Beatles song, Strawberry Fields Forever, is big. Never called in. This one hit my button here, so why not the call? The conversation continues. I think social media is the worst thing. So let your voice be heard. People fighting over whether you got the vaccine or not. News talk. It's like a bunch of children playing house. WSAU. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities Investment Advisory Services offered through Grove Point Financial, member FINRA SIPC, Grove Point Financial, and Kelchin Associates are unaffiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. And we're back here in the studio. I'm Tom King, Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates. We've got a few minutes left if you want to get through on the phone, 715-845-2155. What else is on your radar over there? Well, we have uh, Tesla's moving a, Tesla's moving to Texas for cheap housing and could come up short. An article by Jacob Passy, or Passé probably if it's French. So, um, you know, uh, yeah, they're going to start moving some plants over into Texas because the housing is a lot cheaper for the workers, um, as well as I believe uh, taxes might come into place. And uh, 
uh, different place. We move out of the San Francisco Bay Area down into the uh, Austin area, just to let you know. Well, I would imagine that, yeah, I mean, even though Austin is a popular destination in Texas, housing has got to be cheaper anywhere in the country as opposed to San Francisco and Silicon yeah, Valley. Um, average price is about 515000 uh, now around the uh, Austin and Texas area. And compared with 1.39 for a similar home, and in San Jose, Texas, um, uh, it was um, I'm sorry, San Jose we, in California, 1.7 million. We talked about this in the past about affordable housing and how you don't think it's it's a it's a thing that builders are interested in in building affordable housing, you know, and everybody's word affordable is going to be different depending on who they are, but um, the idea of Housing under a hundred thousand dollars or housing under seventy five thousand um, dollars is just not on many builders' radar screens. It's, it's not, unfortunately. They're out there, but they're not being built. is is the sad part about it. I mean, if you want to buy houses less than a hundred thousand, they exist. Um, uh, but in major cities like you know Chicago or some of these other areas, you don't want to have those houses, but they exist. Sadly, unfortunately, but there's not a lot of people that are building them. Well, and the problem we talked about, too, is even rent. Um, rent at this point, the average rent in most cities in the United States uh, cannot be met by a regular job at this point in time. The regular jobs are just not paying enough to pay for rent and all your other bills. One of the sad parts about uh, housing escalations are that occurs. So um, then, of course, what happens behind is you tend to have wage increases. Um, to uh, to pay that. So eventually all the stuff has to, to match to some degree. 715-845-2155, although we're just about out of time here. I guess I'll let you weigh in quickly on the, uh, it appears that most of the countries that have been talking about this are coming up with the, the uh, minimum corporate tax. And the idea, of course, is to keep people from hiding their assets in other countries. And it should, you would think, keep that from happening if a lot of these countries all get together with the same amount of corporate tax. You're not going to be able to get a deal by going to Ireland or Iceland or one of these other places. Yeah. <laughs> Don't talk all at once. I'm, I'm, I'm a person who believes in, in uh, you know, let capitalism make that determination. I, I, you know, let, that, let the free market do it. Um, I don't think there's any problem if a, if a country says, okay, um, we're going to have cheap tax rates, we're going to pay something that's going to be a minimum of 5%. Um, but if you start saying 15% or 20%, I think you're just slowing down general commerce in doing so. Let competition go out there and, and let corporations fight for it. Let's go to the phone here this morning. We've got a couple of minutes left. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Steve. Steve, you're on with Merle. Go ahead. Good morning, Steve. Hi. What do you think of the REIT investment? You know, REITs have been around for a long time. It's a REIT stands for a real estate investment trust. And, and, and the, the problem I tend to find with REITs is that eventually they've always screwed up. So every REIT that I've been involved with, my clients in 30 years of this business, eventually something screws up with it and it doesn't work the way it starts out. So, Steve, that's my first issue with REITs. So the other part of it is that REITs tend to really start getting promoted when they tell you how good they've done um, rather than what's happening into the future. And especially REITs that are leveraged where they're not paying, they're buying their buildings with 100% cash. Uh, tend to be more problematic than, than others. So if we look at REITs throughout the course of the last two or three years, they're looking fantastic because everything's went up. So they want to sell and promote themselves and say, we've got the best REIT in the world. Uh, but if the real estate market starts slowing down in the next two or three years, how are they going to meet the goals that they have? And that tends to be one of the problems I have with REITs. So in it, um, I've actually recommended to people, and, and this might be for something for you to consider, Steve, that we say, why not just look at a real estate mutual fund? 
using a real estate mutual fund, you might get some of the same returns, maybe not some of the same tax benefits. But if you don't like it, you can get out of it tomorrow. As if you're buying non-public REITs, um, you're stuck in those things for a long time. So I hope that gives you some of my insight, maybe some of my opinions, too. Very good. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks, Steve. All right. Thanks for the call. We're just about out of time here. If folks want to get a hold of you on Monday, how can they do that? Well, Monday we will be at the office, not the the, the uh, palatial estate. Aha. Uh-huh. The office. Third Avenue and Bridge Street. Stop it and have some of Mary and now Kim's coffee as well, by the way. Well, you say you're going to be at the office. Remember, there's a watering hole in town called the office as well. Oh, hey, <laughs> so, look at there. You're not going to be there. That's right. No, at 10 I won't in the morning. No, okay. my office on yeah, 3rd Avenue. There you Street. go. Okay. By the way, I have to say my assistant, Kim, and her um, today will be her husband. So they're getting married today. So congratulations to them. So we will be in at 3rd Avenue Bridge Street. Stop on in, kick the tires, say hello, hi, have a cup of coffee. Give us a call locally at 715 849 3600. Toll-free outside of the WAS area at 866-355-5100 or find us online at kelchinassociates.com. All right, we'll talk to you again down the road. See you next week, my friend. That's Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates in Wausau. It's coming up on 9 o'clock. We've got the news and the Polka shows coming up. And just a programming note for you this afternoon, Brewer Playoff Baseball here on WSAU, the Brewers and Atlanta in Game 2 of their series, pregame show at 3.30. And that moves today's Badger game, which is a mid-afternoon kick to our sister station, FM 93.9 The Game. The Badgers taking on Illinois in Big Ten play on the road in Champaign later this afternoon. It's all right here on WSAU.